You've reached Moody's Never Say Die Hard, a moonlighting podcast with Kevin and Chez. Each week we watch the next episode, available Friday, for you to download. For each break in the case, we have laughs for your face. For every twist and thrill, we have jokes that kill. Some fly by night, some fly by day. So let us now join Addison and Hayes. All major credit cards accepted. Hello and welcome to Moonies Never Say Die Hard, a moonlighting podcast with Kevin and Chez. I'm Kevin. Hey, Chez. Hey, Kev. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay. It is cold here in the area in which we live. Yeah. <laughs> it is also cold in whatever region I live in. I think by context clues, our listeners now knows, know we're, we're in Wales, so we don't have to pretend <laughs> anymore. Actually, if they follow us on Instagram and Moody's never say die hard, and I don't know why I said if, because when it's a foregone conclusion <laughs> that they do. Yeah, because it's, somehow our Instagram ties in with the great pumpkin. You, we, can't, we can't curse it by saying if. They'll know we caught a show yesterday on yep. Broadway. We flew across the pond. Or one drove and one took a subway. <laughs> but we live in Wales. There are longer subways than you can imagine. Oh, that's true. The channel. When, when they when they put down the cable across <laughs> the ocean, that's when they set up the tunnels. The channel's not the only one, is what I'm saying. Although that's for cars. But we saw Gutenberg, which was fantastic. It was so good. If you have the chance, it ends uh, end of this month. This month being January 2024, depending on when you're listening. It's like when you see something and they say. They make an offer for a special thing, and then they have to have the Chiron appear offer invalid seven years ago. Yeah, like when we open old packs of baseball cards, there's like the sweepstakes to win a chance to go to spring training in 1994. <laughs> <laughs> you should try it, because remember, the Simpsons got their safari trip from their Animal Crackers box. That is true. You know, maybe maybe Tops will have a contest this year with their rather bizarre-looking neon cards you've shown me. They are yeah, singular-looking. Yeah, I... But it'll grow I'm not on saying me. they're bad. I'm just saying they're. I mean, I don't looking. like. I don't like them right now. But they'll, it'll grow on me. Yeah. It will as I go through hundreds of them as we do each year. Yeah, I'll I be fine really by the cool end. Uh, it has been a long time since I've collected baseball cards. So is there still gum? There is not. They they realized that long time ago. Yeah. I mean, Although my in being so online and focused on baseball cards like I am, my algorithm on Instagram and Facebook is now just guys probably my age but you never see them opening a single pack of cards so like the short video is just opening a pack of cards so it's your unboxing and so they go through the cards and some of them depending on how old they they eat the gum the oldest pack i've seen them open and put the gum in their mouth is 83 because they couldn't find a shard of glass to shove into their cheek (laughs) yeah no it is it is a pure crunch when they put it in their mouth. It was a but, pure crunch when when it was yeah. fresh. And so they they pass if it has black marks on it. But some of them keep I think there's a that 83 is the cutoff for where it keeps the pink color that you remember if you if you open packs with gum. Once it gets I older than that cuz I've seen them open some packs from like 79, it becomes like a real pale pale skin color. <laughs> like pink so it's the corpse of gum at that point. yeah the and fingernails then it has, are like, getting longer on the gum yeah, yeah it has like mold marks on it and they they pass on eating it um okay so i do i know we've gone fully into baseball here and we'll <laughs> yeah. somehow tie it into this episode which has absolutely nothing to do with baseball uh, oh it, was, the, the title the title ends in maddie walks which is something 
It that is. That's happens baseball. in baseball. That's baseball. See? Yeah. Oh, see. Yeah. Well done. This is why we get paid whatever bucks we get paid by Zini's, our sponsor, who we'll also get to. Okay. You're a topologist, topologist. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember, was Tops initially a gum company that started making the baseball cards as the promotion for the gum? That I don't know. I remember it, like... That's probably true because the way the really old cards, like of Babe Ruth and that Honus Wagner card that right. everybody knows about, they were part of cigar boxes. So, oh, that's right. So the baseball cards were like bonuses for buying the cigars. You got like a baseball card. Well, then they did they do that with cigarette packets as well, or was it mostly probably? But I I only know of cigars, but they probably did it for cigarettes too. Now this would probably predate you because I remember it would predate you because I remember this like seventy six, seventy seven. Twinkies used to have the baseball cards on the back of the box that you would cut out. I have them still, but you also realize you sh- the eight year old should not be the one wielding yeah. the scissors on that because these are not clean cuts. Yeah. Okay. So the other question is all baseball related because as we mentioned, walks is in the title. Uh, <laughs> like Fleer and the other companies, did they always have gum or they skip the whole gum thing? They skip the gum. Which makes me go back thinking that maybe Tops has. Yeah, Tops was uh, probably a gum. Yeah. We, uh, Kiki, when she decides to wake up, it's uh, our intern is dealing with winter, so she's all snug up on a heater, as most interns do. I mean, I, that's what I used to do. Walk into the office, just climb on the heater and take a nap. If you open a pack, and this is the OCD here, does is there any value in a pack of cards? For baseball cards or it is all singular to the to the card itself in other words can you lose value by opening a pack do are there people who just want the pack and the experience of the pack there is value in it in the sense that in the older packs mm-hmm. like there are people that still have unopened packs from the 60s and things like that right there are the potential for amazing baseball cards in those packs so, so the value so, is in what is in the Schrodinger's cat aspect of the of yeah the pack? oh okay. yeah because there's the most expensive basketball card is Michael Jordan's rookie and so that, that the makes- unopened packs of that year that I don't I think it's actually Fleer and not Tops in right. basketball I think the Fleer card is worth so much money and so packs of those go for a lot for the chance to get a Michael J- Jordan card. Even so you're though, paying a lot for a lottery ticket. Yeah. Oh, wow. I have some basketball cards from way back in, but I have one or two from uh, what was the other league? Not the NBA, the Associate American Basketball League. Yeah. And I have one or two from that. I don't know how that happened. I'm sure that was completely by accident, by which I mean I walked off with someone's car, which makes me sound like a thief, which I wasn't. Speaking of unopened, which uh, if you maybe you'll show up in a video, it probably won't, but I'm going to explain it. My brother had got me packs of, I'm showing this here, uh, RoboCop 2. Unopened. Oh. Yeah. So this this <laughs> could this could have a rookie RoboCop in here, you know, the one you want. But it comes with nine cards, one sticker. And one stick of bubblegum. Oh. Where what, is, year, what year is that, Robocop 2? Uh, I'm going to see if least, that gum is still good. <laughs> yeah, no, because what was our cutoff year for gum? 83. 83. Yeah. Um, it should be good. It should be good because this has got to be like yeah. 80s. I mean, the first one was mid 80s. I'm not getting a year. They refused. If only I could, if only my in, our intern would wake up and tell us a year on this. Uh, she's She's got a lot on her plate right now. Uh, I also have the Rocketeer unopened oh. pack also from tops i've never seen uh, the rocketeer i have not either and <laughs> i'm sure there's a uh, i think the director is the same one i could be completely wrong here and i, I should actually ask our intern but she is she is slammed right now I mean, that uh, is I think like the, same, the third thing we're waiting on that queue I know. is long 
might be the same director as the one who did the first Captain America movie, but not sure on that. I could be completely off. And also, here it is, The Simpsons, the original. I can see the huh? original logo in this. Eight fabulous cards, one lousy stick. What year would this be? 1990. So this is perhaps entirely worthless. <laughs> so speaking of not really baseball cards, but baseball cards. Right. Back in November, I fell for a Facebook ad that was an advent baseball card calendar so the fact that you said fell makes me think this story doesn't end the way you wished it, it would. does it <laughs> <laughs> what it was advertised as was you would get 24 different packs of baseball cards and so in the picture it was like tops and panini which is another kind and then bowman and there's a whatever. bread company that's making <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're fine pressed baseball cards. <laughs> Very nice. um so it was like you get 24 different packs they could have gone from different years according to the picture it looked like there was some from 2022 things like that right. but just all different packs of cards it sounds and like so, a licensing night. Probably. And it, I think it was because I forgot that I fell for this thing and I bought it November 9th and then Christmas came and went. There was no Advent baseball cards. And then on January 9th, I got a weird package. Inside was a box with 24 vacuum sealed packages. And I was like, oh, that's right. I bought these baseball card packs. So I opened them up. And the, the packs looked weird. Not mm -hmm. that they were opened and resealed, like they were created like by somebody at their house. Is this like when I used to draw the baseball card packs? Close. When I would shove the thing in. Yeah. And, and... So I got a ton <laughs> of weird cards that look like baseball cards and have real players on them. They look like the actual cards that they're pretending to be, but they don't say tops on them. But they're they're printed on really glossy. It's like a glossy print of the player with the real stats on the back there's right. all different kinds some packs had three cards some packs had 10. have you checked the design to see if they've matched any design from any card or oh, they, no they do they, they match do. the designs that they're supposed but to do you be. think someone just created them yeah to... but they spent probably good money on card stock and and glossiness I, it huh. seemed like they did like real solid fake printing of cards like it's not like a flimsy piece of printer paper right. it's like it feels like a card but it's well, definitely not a real card it's curious because in your explanation of it i could see someone having assembled that on their own and selling it on ebay but as yeah. a mass-produced thing i don't know how that licensing would work because no. you're not just dealing with the licensing of the card company i think you're dealing with licensing of major league baseball yeah, as well baseball, yeah yeah so i don't know but they're interesting in the sense that they look like real cards, but they're definitely not. So the, the moral of the story is if you're going to scam someone, put the work into it. They did. I mean, yeah. like they put some good work in, which is why it probably took them two months. <laughs> <laughs> somebody actually, they're like, crap, somebody actually hit pay now. Oh, <laughs> guys, <laughs> what do we do? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I feel like it would have cost them less money to just send me a few packs of baseball cards because no one was really going to spot them no. on this so i was the only one <laughs> <laughs> you know who also put a lot of effort into their scam maddie's accountant oh my goodness that's who right. we meet maddie's accountant who robbed Solid. the blind in the good. pilot episode appears here and he put the effort in and um which brings us to moonlighting people you know money what? talks maddie walks
some shows just just get that intro. It's called a prologue. There was a prologue in the musical we saw yesterday. Mm-hmm. In both acts. <laughs> and there's a prologue here. And our podcast, this episode, and this po- prologue that you've experienced are all brought to you by Zini's Italian Restaurant, the only restaurant in America. Whether you're in the mood for dinner, supper, or an evening meal, Zini's is now proud to present their new lunch menu, featuring sandwich versions of their classic entrees like manicotti and polenta. And if you see Zini's beloved mascot, make plant the eggplant, please let management know they're worried. Zini's Italian Restaurant. Lunch starts at 4, so have a big breakfast. Oh, man. I'm a little surprised. I'm a little saddened. I hope. I mean, I'm going to assume we'll be fine about Meg Plant the Eggplant. I, it, these things usually turn out. You know, I have to find her by tomorrow because Thursday is Kids Day, <laughs> the, the, and <laughs> the kids are gonna. I'm assuming Meg Plant the Eggplant, which is just fun to say. Mm-hmm. So I understand why they went with that name. There's a chance that maybe she's kind of like homeward bounding it across the country with like two <laughs> other food mascots, <laughs> like Mr. Peanut and Pillsbury uh, Doughboy. Twinkie the Kid. Twinkie oh. the Kid, yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, they can run through a lot of places. They have the uh, Kool-Aid Man. So, you know, and <laughs> what we're trying to say is stay tuned this week and every week for our new podcast, We're in the Contiguous 48 States is Meg Plant the Eggplant. And her Follow band, those clues, and her band of mascot friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like an Avengers movie. I was like, so follow the clues, gumshoes. I just, <laughs> I, we just, I, we just we, Lego movied food mascots. I think we have a pitch is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think this is solid. I think given the title, Rockapella is going to have a little difficulty singing that song for the for the series or the movie. But it was Rockapella, right? Rockapella was the, in the band world for Where is, in the World is Carbon Yeah, Diego. that's yes. Yeah, yeah. so I'm assuming we can get them. Yeah. I'm not yeah, saying yeah. anything and knock them, but I'm, we're presenting a solid idea is why I think we can get them. And guessing Christopher Nolan is listening because he listens to uh, he he tunes into a lot of things you don't expect. We're not going to berate him like Peloton. No, no. Oppenheimer we, was great. It was just missing food mascots, which I'm sure they had. Yeah, not not a food mascot, but the Michelin Tire Man was around that time because that was like early 1900s. And he looks like a stack of sugary donuts. So I think they would have food. That's my logic, and I'm sticking Pro- to it. Probably the only one who would survive the bomb. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yes, that yeah. is true. You're I, with me. I, 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 Stay here. I, am, I am by your side, Kevin. I mean, if you, need, if, you, if you need it out, you could check to see if Kiki sent you any updates on her many tasks. You know, sometimes you push that ride or die. And, um, but Kiki has come back with us. Oh, and good. Tops, Tops was originally a gum company. Oh, wow. So I'm assuming at some point the gum was better. Yeah. Because if they were a gum company and used this, then for a while it, they were just writing on the gum. I don't know what gum light was like back then. I remember in the 70s, it was fascinating that there was soft gum. That's why Bubble Yum and Bubblicious were huge. That's mm. all we talked about in the 70s. I was around in the 70s. We talked about gum, how Bubble Yum was apparently made out of spider eggs, and that's why it was soft to the point that they Bubble Yum had to take out an ad in the New York Times to say their gum did not have spider eggs in it, which is an ad you can find on Google. The 70s <laughs> was just disco and soft gum. Disco and soft gum and layer upon layer of clothes, no matter what the season was. Oh, it's also God. like if you see films from the, in the 70s that take place in New York City, everyone is either sweating or it's late November and none of the trees have leaves. 
it's either really cold and raw or it's the opening credits to Chico and the Man. I don't know. Which actually might take place in L.A. Which Kiki! also... <laughs> Kiki! <laughs> you know what also takes place in L.A.? About well, seven minutes of this episode of the show. <laughs> seven minutes of this episode and all of the filming. <laughs> so which brings us... For the third time, back to episode three, Money Talks, Ellipses, Maddie Walks. When a convenient suicide attempt lets Maddie find out her crooked accountant used the fortune he stole from her to open a casino in Buenos Aires, she flies down to seek revenge despite the level-headed reasoning of David. But when Maddie can't simply get her money back, she tries to win it back in a high-stakes game of stud poker that moves the series forward while showing David can actually be a good friend and a functioning adult. And this was nice to see in this episode. It was a welcome, welcome sight. Yeah, I was. He didn't start was, off like that in this episode. <laughs> I was going back and forth on David. By the end, I was. He was absolutely right. I disagreed with his initial attempts to stop her from going, even though he was right that yeah. she shouldn't have gone. But it was where they were coming from. That was the problem. Yeah. So Maddie finds out that her accountant opened the casino and. Buenos Aires. So she decides she's going to go down and confront him and try to get her money back. Right. Which is, if it works out, great. If it it's, doesn't, you also still need closure. Yes. Like, Maddie has this unresolved, this question mark about where her money went. And even though she knows it now went to Buenos Aires, she still needs to see the guy's face. Like she needs that. So she David's needs to talking tell him her, off whether whatever yeah. the result is. She needs even if she confront. doesn't get her money, which David yeah. says she's not going to get the money, and that's true, she doesn't. Yeah. She but doesn't. it's more that sometimes you just need to do the thing, yeah. and that's something that a ten-year-old doesn't know. That's something you learn as you get older. So, so that's something that David doesn't. David doesn't understand closure, even though he's right in his gut about what maddie needs and that this isn't going to work out there are that's an adult concept <laughs> he he is not aware that there is truth in emotional logic sometimes yeah. and you're you're absolutely right about this i the conversation between the two of them was very much a relationship conversation where one is having a problem and they want to be heard they don't want to hear solutions mm -hmm. and i will tell you i've been in relationships where that is a learning curve for me Mm -hmm. because your initial thing is well what can i do to help but that's not what's being called for a great deal of the time yeah and maddie needs this and david is it's a combination he is sincerely worried that she's going to be very disappointed and it'll only be out more money for a plane ticket which apparently at that time not that bad <laughs> but also the part where it makes it a little sticky but in the end his it's still a little sticky at the end, but I still think there's a lot of good in what he's trying to do is that he is afraid of what happens if it does work out. What if she does get the money back? Yeah. You yeah, know, there because, is that part. That is true. Because what happens and what is actually blatantly said in this episode is that she wants her old life back at the same time saying she's very happy with the fresh start. And I think that wasn't a mistake in the narrative. It made sense she was feeling both. Because yeah. she has to. So when this episode comes out, they've had a disastrous meeting, thanks to David. Yeah, I mean, we David can't possibly be good the whole episode. <laughs> he he's the opposite of what of, of the line from Hamilton. He should not be in the room where it happens. Never, never, never even close. 
He should be outside in the waiting room, but in a different office building. So they were trying to, to be head of security for Chicken Lickin. Right. Is Chicken Lickin real? No, I don't believe because I don't think they would do that considering David's joke about it is that they use the beaks and the claws. A kiki! <laughs> I, no, I don't believe there is. There is a Cluck You chicken franchise. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and it's delicious. It is actually. <laughs> but he screws it up. And it's a job they could have had because they've had security detail work despite him almost desperately trying to screw that one up. The episode that ends up with lasers and blow torches and a mannequin dressed as Castro. It was just a beautiful episode. <laughs> that yeah. that that was just that was just a masterpiece of an episode. And that's when they see someone about to jump. And that's how she finds out. Because for some reason, this person that she sees jump, she recognizes from several floors up. Oh my God. Just the acoustics on that street. Oh, they were beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't he know. She could hear the people down there. She could hear them up there. Did they put the dome over LA? Because <laughs> if they put a dome over LA, it makes sense. You mean as in regards to both the Simpsons and the Stephen King book? Yeah. yeah. I I mean, it should they put a considering how many, you know, pesticide sprayings they were doing in LA at the time, that might not have been the best idea. I think they actually needed a breeze coming from somewhere. And given given all the traffic. I like that. Did they put it then? Because we're assuming it has happened at some. Oh, point. <laughs> how far back does that dome go? I I know flying to L.A. that moment when you actually bounce off of it and you realize <laughs> we're going to San Francisco. That's it. You'd think they'd just fly to San Francisco at this point, but they got to do the bounce. They, they got, just got to because they have to put in the effort. Yeah. Just like Maddie had to put in the effort to meet her accountant exactly which david didn't understand again david's reaction is i think it's less a matter of immaturity it's the fact that it it is a very typical reaction you actually do want to help but you're not this happens in a lot of relationships again and i've been guilty of it where it's just like you was like no no don't do that that will hurt you but they need to confront it. and the person upstairs was a uh, fellow client the one who's going to jump that maddie has brought up because the police were like sure <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> I think this was more a question of L.A. police in 1985 than anything else. So there's a jumper or a possible jumper. And Maddie recognizes the guy from like 11 stories. up, So far away across so far the away. street. They're across the street, at least. I mean, she's got brute strength. She may other ha- she may have other superpowers and it may oh, just true. be eagle vision, eagle eye vision. Yeah. And they're there when a cop gets on the scene. So at least one cop that we see comes to the scene where <laughs> the jumper is. One cop. <laughs> and <clears throat> and the cop starts saying, everybody get back. And Maddie says, I know the guy. And then the cop says, come with me. How do, the, the cop should at least be like, you could tell from here. <laughs> <laughs> there should have been a scene where he squinted, covered his He's eyes like, with one hand, looked up. Can you point where the jumper is? I don't see anything from here. <laughs> Where do you think there's a jumper? (laughs) Exactly. It's like, how many stoplights are in this picture? It really is. The cop should at least try to figure out she's a robot. (laughs) But she, uh, by simply that, goes there, and they were shared clients of the accountant. So that guy was the police chief or something, right? Because they didn't even run it by. It's not like cop comes, they get to the scene, they have to say, like, this is Maddie. He, she apparently nope. knows this guy. <laughs> like, it was just so he was in charge. 
that we've had episodes where the cops wait like 20 minutes in and after the fact they suddenly ask for id oh, that's true there was yeah which one was that that is the one i believe oh with we, the the one we didn't like the the one, the one that ends in the a, season in a finale yeah, yeah, yeah. One. yeah maddie goes up there and realizes that they know each other they were fellow clients which doesn't exactly explain how they know each other because apparently they played monopoly at one point and yeah they got along famously, and I'm assuming it's the they met at like Rick Moranis's when he was the accountant. He had the party in Ghostbusters. Yeah, and I've all the clients never, met. I've never been to a game night with our accountant and all of his clients. <laughs> you are missing out. Apparently, apparently. but but I guess uh, that's, that's. I mean, that's my client. My accountant's working for real and not stealing my money. See, you 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 don't want that comfy of a client of an accountant. Yeah. You want yeah. you want professional distance. It's like a yeah, therapist. he's trying to get you relaxed, yeah. let your guard down. That's a, it's sort of like when you were a kid, you didn't want to see your teacher in the supermarket because yeah. then you didn't understand the world. There were guidelines that they existed in that place. Yeah. What are they doing here, and what do you mean they consume solids? So it was sort of like this. You don't want that, but that's how she finds out uh, he used. Her fortune, his fortune, everybody's fortune they stole to open up a casino in Buenos Aires, which I'm going to tell you this. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. by the fact that it's a casino, that we're going to see gambling. Yeah. You don't mention a casino and then not mention gambling. It would be weird. Sometimes the obvious you avoid, like Fargo. She is pregnant the entire movie and she doesn't give birth. And that's fantastic. It works amazing for that. But if you had a thing where it took place casino, imagine the movie casino and you never stepped inside. It would you would imagine this was a low budget yeah. film that couldn't get location or like or like a detective show where they never have cases. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Movies oh, Kiki, that, Kiki just sent me a text. I'm glad Kiki's on the case again. What did Kiki say? Kiki skipped over two of the questions. I don't know if Kiki was paying attention to here, but we've skipped all the head to chicken. Giving the, su- the soft breathing she's currently doing in her bed, curled up with a head very close to her own ass. No, I don't think she's on top of everything. But. So there are chicken licking restaurants. Ooh. They are in South Africa. So they may not have known about that. Right? Yes. Yeah. It's probably. The first one was opened in 1981. And according to. A study published in 2011, Chicken Lickin' is the largest non-American-owned fried chicken franchise in the world. They really could have used that coin. Yeah. They, David, and we find out again in this episode, just like when we found out when they have no money and he's tipping a cab driver $50 to go a little faster. (laughs) David should not be in charge of money, which, you know, this happens. When people are bored into money, like we assume David is into the ground round fortune, they don't have the respect for money. No, I mean, it's you see it that... like at the at the end of this episode, when they win, when they go on their winning streak at the casino, he's giving money to I mean, people. Wait, just Why? They need that. Money. They need the money. He even and it's not really his money. It's her no. money because she's trying to win. He shoves a bill into the cleavage of someone, which at least led to the good guy of Manny going back and just yanking that bill out, which yes. is good for her. And it was a gag, but he should not be a. Why? Why would anyone? <laughs> you don't have money. I guess David has money. That's what we've established with his being the heir to the ground round. But yeah, Maddie I... is struggling. Maddie and Maddie repeatedly, she says she's struggling, not only in this episode, but in every episode, she says she is struggling. And it's like that Simpsons episode where Marge gives all the money she had in her purse to, Matt, to Lisa to bury in the front yard so Homer can't burn it at mm-hmm. Krusty's. Yeah. 
stand that back. That's what it is. These are the moments where fiction makes me tense. <laughs> yeah, like if David doesn't want to just give Maddie the ground round money, he could at least teach a man to ground round. <laughs> you know, like help her out. This is an aphorism that you can all use in your daily life, people. Yeah. The other part of this, except for the fact that at this point, they go through several games. Mm-hmm. They win up to $20,000, which whenever someone wins large and you still have 20 minutes, it's like <laughs> they're not going home with that money. <laughs> and this is the problem I have with scenes, with movies that take place in a casino. I, whenever people are winning money, I start to get nervous because at some point they're going to lose money. Mm-hmm. This is not, this is emotional logic, I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> because again, fiction hits me hard, Kev. Yeah. And like they have that site, does the, the website does the dog die in this movie. Mm-hmm. I sometimes, and it doesn't have to be casinos, I sometimes watching a film where I'll stop occasionally, I need a, and I apologize for the language here, but occasionally I need a website that says, does the character fuck up royally in this movie? Because I get tense and that's not logical. Here's something that, two things about the casino scene okay. with the gambling. The first one is congratulations to Al Jarreau for getting a second song in Moonlight. He did. Yeah, yeah, because during the gambling p- montage where they're surrounded by everybody in the casino watching which I went, which which I also <laughs> want to discuss there. Yeah, yeah. but it's uh, yeah. uh, they played an Al Jarreau song. Another one. Good because they even they even started the scene when she walked in. She's getting dressed and, and it was a very 80s moment because I mean, she looks very nice. It's a very nice outfit. Yeah. It's very 80s. It's it's putting on a LeMay outfit to a sax solo. I don't know how much <laughs> more 80s you can possibly get. <laughs> That leads into a light jazz. Yeah. In in our area, Northeast, we would call that at a certain time, the CD 101.9 music, which means nothing they to anyone CD else. They had CD 101.9 in Wales? You know what? You get a strong enough tower. It's BBCD 101.9. There was, because there was a... Uh, there was a documentary about it, about this guy who would just sell fake drugs and stuff. But in order to advertise his scam, he had to buy a radio station and it was in Mexico. But he because he was trying to avoid feds and he had the largest tower that it would overpower other signals that at some point you could actually hear it off of things that weren't radio. <laughs> so I'm assuming CD 101.9, which always Handily promoted the fact that all their music was on crisp CDs, which for a time was what you wanted to hear. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they were in Wales. They, uh, everyone in Cardiff was just enjoying CD 101.9. Kiki, make sure I actually got that right about Cardiff, Wales. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the other thing that confused me about the gambling scene right. is after she confronts Ron, who's the, the accountant, Ron, Ron Sawyer. Yeah, Ron Sawyer, the accountant. He tells her he's not going to give her the money back. So why doesn't she just have a nice time at the casino? Here are some says, chips. Yeah, says you can have chips and you can eat at this great place. Okay. So they go to the place to eat. She doesn't eat because Bruce Willis, I mean, uh, David shows up and takes her to go gamble. And then they gamble with their own money. Thank you. I didn't get what happened. I went back to make sure that that was true. He said, give her chips to gamble with. And then she uses her own pocket money to gamble to win the money. She could have won with house money. (laughs) She could have walked off with the chips and at least got that money. Yeah. Whatever money. I mean, I'm sure it was 
maybe he'd give her like a couple hundred dollars and there'd be a couple hundred dollars. There'd be enough to pay for what we're finding out are kind of low cost tickets to uh, Buenos Aires. Yeah. But thank you, because I wondered about that, too. Like, why didn't she use that money? She had free gambling money. So when Maddie does go to Buenos Aires against Bruce Willis's thing and Agnes is there watching them because she's watching mom and dad fight again, as is often what she does through the the rather recent episodes as they add as they put Agnes more and more into the family of the show. Maddie goes off on her own and David is so it's like, we don't need her. This place is much better without her. Remember when we were a fake agency? Everything's great. By the way, no one else shows up to work this time around. David shows no. up at 7.30 in the morning and he tells Agnes, like, can you believe what it's like at 7.30 in the morning? And he's like, yes, I do that every day. Because Agnes comes in and sets the day. She opens the mm-hmm. office. She has a special key. She has that giant jug of water. <laughs> I don't I was so impressed by the giant jug of water that like that that people today carry around huge jugs of water when yeah. like the all the kids in our town in their sports have these giant water bottles that I thought that maybe like Agnes was part of a movement like somebody looked back and said we should do the Agnes <laughs> like like uh, like usually that kind of phrase is reserved for a dance move yeah I think <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she could have been ahead of the curve. It would have been L.A. L.A. was always a little ahead of the curve as far as sports, tre- you know, athletic uh, exercise trends. Yeah, uh, Kiki yeah. Kiki has gotten back to us again. Cardiff is in Wales. I was oh, glad good. because I think that's where they were filming Doctor Who for a while. I'm not going to have Kiki check on that. We're just going to assume that maybe there's truthiness to that statement. Let her uh, sleep. I, <laughs> I mean, she's at the job. <laughs> but David is upset that one Maddie went off because one, I think he believes she's going to get hurt. Two, I think he's worried that if she gets her money back, she won't be at the office anymore. Well, we'll have a detective agency, but I think more so David won't get to see who is essentially not only his best friend, who I'm sure he has other interests with, but it seemingly his only friend because we're not seeing yeah. other people. No. And the guy, the guy that he pays rent to to live in the alley. Yeah. There's but that's that professional. But that's, not, that's not like a friend. Yeah, and that's a, they they keep they keep that world their worlds apart unlike Manny's accountant. Yeah, I think this is there is a child I'm not going to say childish. There was a childlike quality there. That is somewhat understandable. Yeah. And he's worried and he's being sullen and he's being David and he's being yeah. like a guy would be. You put up your walls and he's sitting at the desk with all these magazines, all these publications at his desk, which I which were basically kind of softcore porn and guns and ammo. In, in other words, it was like the 80s version of yeah. just perusing the Internet. And it was just the, the guy at the convenience store by the alley, by the chicken place where he <laughs> where he lives and hangs out in in, uh, in Chinatown behind yeah. the Chinese restaurant that we see. In the, uh, I think where it is. So the convenience store guy accidentally turned his back for a second. Uh, David grabbed the magazines off the top real fast when no one was looking and ran to the detective agency. And they may not have been upset because this might have been the equivalent of day old donuts. <laughs> yeah. This might have been like last month's issues and they're going to get rid of them anyway. We're going to say this so David doesn't come across as a crook. But yeah, I think that's the equivalent. They're like, oh, that David. Oh, he's a <laughs> month behind in the news. Because back then you were either a week or a month behind in the news. It was like Newsweek or like a Life magazine, which is monthly. You were never on top of the news unless you were watching TV. And if he's living in the alleyway, his TV thing is probably when he goes to bars. And it's probably more sports oriented. 
Who knows? Yeah. Maybe David was chewing the gum in the Topps baseball car at that time because it would have been 85 <laughs> and the gum would have been the gum was never fresh. It was never, ever fresh. It was never. <laughs> I would eat. The, I would eat the gum at the time. I, would you actually at the time? Yeah. How did it taste when it was fresh out of once the bakery? You, what, once it shattered in your mouth, then you then your saliva started making some headway and eventually it actually turned into a gum that didn't have any flavor left, but it was chewable. It was a chewable substance. But when you initially put it in, was it like trying to secret like a shiv before you go into prison? So you no, have it somewhere it was, in your body? Like I said, <laughs> you know. So it was a sugary piece of like thin glass. And and then you would the sugar would go in your mouth, so it'd be good. And then it would it would fall, it would like shatter. So there'd be like 30 pieces of little gum in your mouth. And then you just keep working it until you got to a gum-like Until it's the following texture. Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> our, our fake glass that you see when they throw people through windows and such, is that not made of sugar? I think it really? is, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, we can, I think we can let Kiki off on that one. I will say also, I'm going to go way back to our jumper, who's not a jumper, Charles. Yeah. Who does not jump, but Maddie accidentally locks him out, which is cute. I mean, um, <laughs> the cop couldn't even open the window to let the guy in. Couldn't even open So I know this happens a lot in movies and TV shows where you see the person in the office building able to open the window outside. I have worked in more than a few office buildings in Wales, and you can't open those windows, especially after a certain floor. They That does not happen. Oh, yeah. You, I was you surprised. Yeah. yeah. So so it wasn't just me. I was, I was curious to that. But no, David, recently... Uh, my male or female partner. At a certain point, we're wondering why we're doing this, but now we're all in on it. So, yeah. They went to a- another place for work. <laughs> Dear God. We and- clearly mob <laughs> witnesses. We've clearly turned on the mob at some point, people. That's why we are making these things so much more complicated than this. I, you know, we are our names Kevin and Chance. Who the hell knows? Oh. They're not. And I'm mad at the FBI agent that gave it to us. <laughs> no one can say my name. Why I know. They you can... got really screwed. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. If I turn on the mob and give mob witness, why would they give me the most Italian name possible? I don't know. And if you told people right now what your real name was, they would see why you're so angry. But I you know. can't. Don't say it. Because my actual name can fit on things. Yeah. So my partner went to a different location for her job and Whatever had, that to, stay, professional job had to stay in some sort of hotel. <laughs> and and I, so, I like how we're at the point we can't even say like Holiday Inn Express a double tree. We don't want to give you because if they trace that back, they'll find you. And then so the mom she, will. She tried. She's like the window opens. And I was like, there's no way. She's like, it opens to like the air. She was on like a higher floor. But I said, it's got to stop. At a certain point, she's like, there's no screen. So she pushed it and it hits like a like a security distance that's like far enough that air can come in, but not far enough that you can get more than like even I can wedge out. my body. Yeah, through that. yeah, it's basically you can just put your arm out there, but not fit anybody else. <laughs> so in this, yeah. he should have tried to commit suicide, but he couldn't. But he'd be waving his hand going, yeah. I'd like out. Yeah. And people would be like, I know that hand. <laughs> Would you like to talk to that hand and prevent that hand from trying to wedge their body even further through that little crack? 
There you <laughs> go. That would have been don't talk to the hand jokes. It would have been great. And it would have been so far ahead of the curve because don't talk to the hand is 90s as far as I know. <laughs> Isn't it? That is true. Yeah. Yeah. But in the, so Manny goes, gambles, everything. But in the casino, have you, I assume you have been in casinos. As have I. Have you ever seen a crowd of people gather around a high roller or someone who's on a luck streak? Have you actually ever seen that? And let me know if you actually have. To be fair, I've seen it happen, but you don't leave the table. Like they moved around the casino and the crowd moved. And the with crowd them. followed. <laughs> like, so if you're winning at, at craps or roulette, a, a crowd does start to form because people want to get in on it, too, because you can all play. Right. That like a hand, sense. a hand of blackjack. You're just watching one person play. Right. So that it, it gets infectious and then people high five each other. It, it does happen just like it does in the show and in the movies. But that's actually kind of neat. That that but you kind of just stay at that table until everybody loses everything, like until it gets sad. You don't like <laughs> if you, you don't if you keep... stay any at any table long enough, it will yeah. get sad. Yeah. So you don't leave and go to a different place and like it doesn't seem to work that way. But it does right. here. But I, one time my partner and I went to an establishment a, of gambling proportions. Yeah, like a real <laughs> like a real famous one where there's a lot of gambling. And <laughs> I forgot why we started this whole don't tell anyone information, but now we're all in. And we were there at like two in the afternoon, which is real like dead casino time. They tried to teach us craps like we were the only ones and it was us and the dealer guy. And so he tried to teach us how to play. And I still don't know. Like, I get I get that you roll for a certain thing. And there are specific places on the table, right. just like just like roulette. There's the numbers of the wheel. But then there's other things that I just don't understand. And he was trying to tell it to us. And so I was never a craps person. I like to play roulette, but but craps no. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming the dealer that they have in the stud poker game at the end, I think they probably got a real dealer. If those were his hands using, he had, he had, he had the presence of someone who wasn't an actor who I think they actually got someone. They call those chops, Chez. They call those <laughs> chops in the industry. And Talk we got skills. to see a full minute of it, of filmed <laughs> television. <laughs> it was impressive, but a full minute. A full minute. I mean, yeah, this this is this is the word. This is skills with a Z at the end, as yeah. they would say in the 90s at some point. I didn't I never got to see that because when I would go to a casino, it was usually work, which, yeah. you know, because when I was dealing cards, no, um, <laughs> Las this Vegas was my job. Yeah, l- <laughs> it's l- not let us fun. Ass- let us assume I was employed before I turned on the mob in some way. Apparently, I would go to Vegas for three years in a row. Because they would have the shoe convention there. And I would write the daily newsletter about the shoe convention, which sounds as exciting as you could imagine. And but it did teach me to write very quickly as far as copy is concerned. But it was at the same time, which means it was around this time that across the street was the consumer electronics shop. Mm -hmm. I'm working the shoe convention at a casino and I'd step outside. So every so often because you will lose your mind if you're a casino and you are not a gambler. And go outside for some fresh air. And right across the street, in giant letters on a sign, it would say Chez. <laughs> Beckoning me to a place I couldn't go, I would go back in. But I only played the nickel slots because that's what I could afford. I <laughs> I just like that you're at a shoe convention. <laughs> and across the street, not only is it... Electronics. Yeah, computer. it's like all the fun. It's like we have dinosaurs and all the pizza <laughs> you could eat. Or you could hang out and write about shoes. 
you're gonna have to write about shoes. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is. <laughs> I know it says Chess on the thing, but this is actually a no Chess club. <laughs> you can't come. You in. could be riding robots. <laughs> Yeah, no, sorry. I'm just, <laughs> Everybody I'm inside sure. is like, this is the most fun we've ever had. <laughs> just, just shooting fireworks out of their hands, shoving chocolate in their not mouth. Not a shoe in sight. Not a shoe in sight. <laughs> they got the first hover car, not the one that just showed it, the recent one, which has these giant helicopter blades that will decapitate anyone on the road, even if they're inside <laughs> their own car. But, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I will say the other thing I would write was the copy for another newsletter. It was the same company in, uh, at, in Atlanta. And that's when I got to see sports celebrities. Mm. So I would get various autographs. So I got Arthur, I got Arthur Ashe's autograph. I got Billie Jean, Billie Jean King was so nice. Such a nice person. Billie Jean King. I got Mickey Mantle's autograph for my dad. Oh, wow. I still have Mickey Mantle's autograph. There's money in the Mickey Mantle autograph. Oh, and yeah. by that point, Mickey was on like his eighth liver. Yeah. You know, and there were people, there were like towns who were not getting livers because Mickey just kept getting. <laughs> I mean, he could hit a baseball. I, you know, it's, it's. And he was famous. He was famous. And Ted Williams' head is cryogenic somewhere. <laughs> and apparently the family was fighting over his head or at least yeah. his body. I'm not sure if it's just the head. I'm, I'm assuming it wasn't as Futurama as that. I think it's just the head. Is it I just do. ahead? I think so. What what is the plan? Oh, they'll be a they'll it'll get figured it'll, out. We're not as far sighted <laughs> as the smart, smart people are working on it, Chess. <laughs> you uh, don't have to worry. Um, they just had an exhibit about it at the most recent Chess convention. <laughs> God <damn> it. <laughs> were you not there? You weren't at that one either? I it, it's like the no homers <laughs> club. They're allowed one yeah. Chess, and I'm not the Chess. That's you know, uh, what I wanted. As I said, so I'd go there. I'd play the nickel slots where you don't even get, would you like free soda? They don't go anywhere near you. But so I did not get to see the crowd. But I wanted this crowd, since they were following David and Maddie every, to every table they would go, I want this crowd to follow them whatever they do. Like when they're yeah. in a case and it goes well, I want them to cheer. <laughs> when anything, like when eventually, as we know, David and Maddie will meet up, will, will get into a relationship. Oh. Maybe they're there when they finally get it on for the first time at the edge of the bed, just high-fiving and cheering. <laughs> and just realizing, since they're in the proximity of sex, maybe their chances of sex will improve as well, as yeah. Was the case for the yeah, odds. So yeah. I just I just want them. And I want you know, maybe at some point they become a Greek chorus and they just tell us what's going to happen in the episode. Replace the current employees with yes. the casino people because they will be serving a purpose. Yeah, hype men but, are better than nothing. Exactly because <laughs> they're serving a, because the other people are doing nothing. Even when they say they're going to give them a job, like they gave, they said last time, and they still don't use them. A Greek they chorus ordered coffee. Of, when they have a coffee machine in the thing. I, uh. you know, Maddie talks about when she talks to the uh, jumper, Charles. I feel bad to using the term jumper, but that is essentially what they call him here. We call him JC. Uh, okay, there we go. Jumper like Charles. JC. Jumper Charles. JC. Isn't JC <laughs> one of the Backstreet Boys and one of the uh, NSYNC? He is NSYNC. Okay. I knew, I knew it was. It also stands down. for Jesus Christ. We're going to let that go. <laughs> if we're going to talk about that we might as well go back to just just saving our ass and talk about make plenty eggplant it's which now, it's now finally time we could get to what this podcast is all about <laughs> we're here to save souls people
So Maddie tells Jumper Charles that there's a good reason. Maybe it's good that he lost all his money because you're fresh start. She's very happy with her life now, but she isn't. She's conflicted. And that's real. Yeah. Because throughout this, she at the beginning, she's saying this would be great. But again, you will lie to someone to make them good. You'll do what you'll say, whatever you need to. I think she believed it in the moment to make sure they don't jump. But this is a complicated thing. Through it seems like she wants her old life back and one can't blame her. She had it good. David is afraid that she will lose more. And she David's afraid, afraid that she's going to get hurt. David's also afraid that she, if everything does work well, she will leave him. David still tries to help her. The ending becomes murky again. But David, when she's at the restaurant with the free meal, with the chips she forgot to bet with, yeah. and she gets, you know, the expensive meal, and this may be the third Simpsons quote in this episode, but it reminded me of, uh, was it Mo when he's trying to impress his date? Shove your second most expensive meal into your first most so like, Yeah. Excellent. Lobsters, <laughs> lobsters shoved with tacos. <laughs> and she got the lobster tacos. You yeah. Know, lobster shoved with tacos and the magnum of champagne. This is a series that whenever they want to show you that this is class and there's money, is it, it's very much, this is where it's a middle school kid. That means champagne, right? Yeah. There, there are a couple of elements that you go, these are the hallmarks of 80s wealth. The other one being the BMW that she has. In fact, the very specific BMW she has, which I did have to write down because I would never have known this off the top of my head. 35 CSI. That is the car, except for the Jaguar she has at the beginning, which I think her uh, lawyer lends her in the pilot. She's willing to do everything. Remember, on the line in the final thing, which David helps, she's willing to put a house. That house is always in trouble. It is always <laughs> on the it is it is it is yeah. either going to be repossessed or, as we've seen in the pilot episode, destroyed by an angry Italian chef. But it, it is always on the threat of being taken away. But she's going to put that. She's going to put what money she has. She's going to put the agency. She's going to put uh, her car. Apparently not David's car. Remember, David's got a company car, which I think <laughs> is true. a Porsche, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. It's a red yeah, Porsche. Yeah, we haven't it? seen it in a few episodes, though. But yeah, I think it was a Porsche. She is conflicted. And David, I believe, is conflicted because I think he sincerely wants to help her, help her. But he sincerely doesn't want to lose this job because Maddie says at some point, this will be great if we win the money back, which is the... They they get twenty thousand dollars with the crowd surrounding them, and after they win the money, the the accountant Sawyer goes and basically belittles how much money they got, which was him needing to be the biggest dick in the room. But also, you thought you got me, you didn't get me. That's mere pittance. I could sneeze that money out of my nostril, uh, which makes her go into the stud poker game with uh, David Poking. But She's saying, if we do this, if we win all the money back, if I get all my money back, I get to have my life back, and this will be, and then you get to have your old life back. Now, assuming that that old life back means predating even when he worked in the detective agency, because they wouldn't have anything to do with each other, yeah, seems yeah. to be the case. Here's my question: What on earth was David's life before he was even doing an agency that wasn't supposed to be making money? Like for real, or in our mythology? <laughs> Whichever is fun is essentially what I'm going to go with. Because I'm assuming he was like poorly running a chip witch cart. Well, how old is David? 30? Yeah, early 30s. Yeah. Think. 30. Let's, let's go with 30. So he's running that detective agency for a few years. Right. So that takes him back to let's say mid- Let's say he started 28 and he's about 31, 32. I don't know how long you could run a fake agency. Did they have, did they have karaoke? <laughs> 
Because, oh, in the eighties, yes, they had karaoke. Okay, so, I thought you were asking so, if they had it in an episode, but yes, no, they had no. karaoke. So I could see him being the guy who runs the karaoke night in his early twenties. But I, yeah, I can see that in a, in a place that doesn't have the license for karaoke or liquor. Yeah, and it's That's just sing because, along with David. There's no machine. Because, <laughs> it's just David singing, and you have to sing with him. Well, like the musical, like Gutenberg, where they would basically at the old age home and they would sing the songs and such. Yeah. yeah. yeah and then at a point they make it up. So, yeah, yeah. it would be and David, David has with a chalkboard his... where he writes the words as fast as he's singing them. <laughs> so that you try to keep up. <laughs> and he's reenacting a scene on a beach with a horse. So you have the sense of the video as well. For whenever you see the, the Japanese videos, they're always on a scene with yeah. a horse and it's a couple and it has nothing to do with the song because you're seeing that song and it's. I think that works well. I assume maybe he could be talking people into timeshares. Because it just depends on when he used the Zoltar machine. Exactly. When he became large. Yeah. That's what it depends on. Because he's... Yeah. How long has he been large David and yeah. not little David? We can't even say adult David, because let's, let's <laughs> be honest here. Yeah, because he's a large child. But I'm assuming, yeah, either that or maybe, maybe if we're saying he's living in other way. He may, for $100, people can punch him as hard as they want. I don't know what the life is. <laughs> but let's say before he was an agency, he had to show his, uh, you know, he had to show his receipt that he could do an agency. So maybe like a low stakes equalizer. Oh, <laughs> I'm I'm not saying an equalizer who could take down the Russian or Italian mobs like an equalizer one and three. I've yet to see two. But maybe like one who lets the management and office max know what's what, you know, that that kind of level of equalizer. Yeah. Like don't 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 screw with them. Just just give them their overtime <laughs> and let them work, work at walk out with as many. What are they called? Chuckies, that kind of gummy kind of fruity candy kind of thing that they always sell at. Uh, oh, the park, yeah, yeah. At the, yeah. Like staples. He would be a good equalizer for that kind of thing or even like a negotiator. In the sense that, like, he would just talk until the other people just gave him what he wanted. Just just have it. Whatever yeah. you want, just have it. But we we have mentioned Sawyer a lot, who's the accountant who has screwed him over and who will go into a one-on-one stud poker game with, uh, with David at the end of this episode, which is an mm-hmm. all-in where Maddie just bets all-in. He gives him a gives him the equivalent of a hundred thousand dollar buy, which Manny still throws her money in because sure, Manny's got to prove that she's okay. I mean, at this top flight casino, that you know, it is, it is a television show, so yeah, it does kind of look like someone has rented the Holiday Inn all purpose room for the <laughs> casino. But you know, you you go with that, and it, it looks like a casino that someone has swiped from their clients, maybe four thousand total. Yeah, it's casino night for like a PTA function. Exactly. You're not yeah. you're, you're not going to you're going to win tickets that you can use in exchange for, I don't know, large novelty glasses I get a Dave and Buster's at the end of the deal. Yeah, especially with that money that they were winning. I don't know yeah. what that money was. That was not American currency. It was it, larger than American currency. Because they they gambled with American currency, which I thought was also odd. I couldn't do a Google search that figured out whether that's allowed in Argentina, like that you could put down American money on the casino table. And they're like, sure. I think, and oh, she's gone. So she's not even going to do this search. I Uh, don't know. Mid eighties. Is it lunch break? Is it her lunch break? It it works, but I will tell you (sighs) since she is a cat, there is no lunch break. There is a breakfast break and a dinner break. 
they can only have so much of their saffron and crushed unicorn horn urinary tract food. That they- so every time Kiki said to me, I'm going on my lunch break, she was lying to my face. Just like the staff from last week's episode when they went on their lunch break at 1030. No, she is lying to your face. She, You know what? Yes and no. Because cats don't eat all their food in breakfast. So it may be a lunch break. She is going to continue eating the meal that they got at breakfast. It's a good Just thing that, that she it's a good thing that she reports back on 25 percent of the things we ask her to do. I know. Because if it was less about, than that. No, I don't know what the no means because she'd still be getting the food and still be here. <laughs> now we have we have no, nothing to stand on is what I'm saying. But the actor who plays the accountant, Ron Sawyer, uh, which is a good sleazy name, I got to say. To me, he looked like Chuck Barris from the old, the host of the Gong Show, or yeah. when they did the movie, the most, which was actually a good movie. Where he actually looked, pretend- he did look a lot like the movie version of Chuck Barris. You brought up that he is part of the Adam Sandler cinematic universe. He is. He's in Wedding Singer. So when Adam Sandler is at his rock bottom and singing at this bride's wedding that he's just ruining with his mood and drunkenness, there's a dad that yells at him. And eventually picks a fight with him. And that's that's Ron. Ron that is, is that how Ron dad. Sawyer. Yeah. The other actor, because they were these were not like the big name people. And occasionally next week's episode has Orson Welles people. So this is the show must have been getting traction. On the other hand, this was also a period where Orson Welles would take anything because that's how he finances movies. The other actor is Robert Zadar. He is one of the two security men. There are only two security men at this casino, apparently. He's the one with the beard. He's the one who does more of the action than the other guy. Well, there's there's four gambling position tables that you could go at. So you really don't need a lot of security. It it was sort of like if there was a casino cartridge and there wasn't a catch-up because they split it, of Atari. Where remember when Atari they would get maybe you don't because I'm older, but Atari on the on the box would say 47 games. Yeah. What that was, was maybe two with the A or B switch and the slightest change, like maybe this one could ricochet, or maybe this time the tank will turn left, you know? So it was that kind of equivalent. It would be the Atari version of a casino game. No, I had Atari. If if I have parents, they... (laughs) Uh, Now you're saying this to protect them from the mob. So this this is only smart. We... <laughs> they they did purchase me an uh, Atari when I was little. Now, one would assume the purpose of a podcast is also for personal <laughs> promotion. And Fine. My, there... part, my partner and I went to Las Vegas that time. It was Las Vegas. <laughs> I'll admit I would have thought Atlantic Vegas. City because that is closer to Wales. <laughs> it is closer to Wales. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to focus on that area, so I will sideline by saying Atlantic City. That's where they got all the names for the sh- for the properties in Monopoly. Yes, which was taken from the game Landlord Game, which was actually an anti-capitalist game. It always gets co-opted, people. <laughs> That's why you got to look to JC, by which I mean Jumper Charles. He'll <laughs> show you Charles. money. He'll show you money doesn't do everything. So the other actor, the one who's security guard with the beard, is Robert Zadar. If you are a fan of Earth Tracks and MST3K, you've almost seen this. He is the villain in one of the greatest Rift Track movies of all time, which is Samurai Cop. It is right up there with Guy from Harlem. If you're ever going to watch a Rift Tracks, these are the two. He was also in Salt Taker, which always had Martin Sheen's brother, Joe Estevez, which he always looks maybe 11 minutes sober. <laughs> 
we bring this up with Robert Zadar because it is a element of it, that he suffered from a condition. You'll notice in the thing, his prominent chin, but not so bad. It got more and more prominent as we went on because cherubism, which you and I discussed yesterday when we did or did not attend. We did attend. The, oh, we said that. No, was, we went to a okay. show. We went to a show. We just don't uh, know where that show was performed. Actually, we're pretty certain that that could be identified. <laughs> nope. We kidnapped nope. them and had them do it at a local elementary school. But yeah, so he had a condition where the jawline <laughs> gets larger. And it's cherubism because it's named after the putti, the little cherubs in Renaissance paintings. And it is, I bring this up because it is just kind of a startling disease that that happened. But he did have, despite all this, he had a long career in B-movies. He was in the B-movie Hall of Fame, which is a mm-hmm. thing, which okay. is actually kind of neat that there is. And I'd actually like to, if not go to it, at least see the roster. Uh, but yeah, he was the the muscle here. Although, as David points out at one point, that he's the brains and Maddie is the muscle, which brings us back to her being a superhero, as we've yeah, discussed. Yeah, she's very strong. She is very strong, as we've seen. We should also say that even though we kidnapped Andrew Rannells and Josh, Josh Gad, we returned them so that they could perform tonight on Broadway in New so, York City. And like anyone who attends a supposedly Broadway play in a supposed city of New York that was supposedly near... <laughs> The greatest fear, especially when it's a two-hander, and especially when it's built on the act, the very specific actors, is opening up that playbill and seeing that little scrap of paper fall out. And I was nervous happen. for you, yeah. Yeah, because you had seen it before, because I, yeah, you I managed to make this night. long yeah. distance from Wales. I w- We were joking that like two scraps of paper, like, God damn it! <laughs> um, because that happened also right before the pandemic and i'm going to say we're the cause of this i apologize for the pandemic it is us right before we saw beetlejuice the musical we like to take that long distance travel to new york city and um beetlejuice musical really depended on the guy playing beetlejuice yeah and we were afraid we're gonna, yeah. yeah we are we are anxious individuals in our own way like i said i can't watch a casino scene without thinking oh god they're gonna lose their fake money anyway that was the last thing anyone ever did ever in the world before the pandemic. We were the last people who went out and did anything because we so, saw Beetlejuice, we were happy, and then we apologized. So now this is the first time we've seen a Broadway show together since yeah. that January of 2020, and it's January 2024 now. So we fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We're hoping. Um but yeah, so they have the stud poker and the game goes on as it does, which is when we see the dealer do his card trick for, as you said, an hour and a half. Impressive. <laughs> yeah, I would have been more yeah. impressed if they had pulled back and showed the guy, dude. They always show the hands. Clearly someone is doing a good job. The guy looks actually like a real dealer. Uh, so yeah, I, I bet assume... he could. There's no reason that they needed that guy yeah. to, to deal when they needed somebody else's hands to do the thing. Yeah, there was no purpose. They just were doing close-up magic. And as these stud poker games go, they it always comes to the last big hand. Mm-hmm. And it's always a big pile. Mm-hmm. And it's always someone willing to bet it all. Like in Casino Royale, the guy throws his car keys. And Maddie is willing to bet it all. Her house, her car, everything. She's willing to go in. And David's saying, please don't. Please don't. Please don't. And I'm going to say this. I'm looking at David's hand. And he... He knows what it is, but I'm looking at it, despite the fact that they're all clubs. I could not see a winning hand of this. I mean, I'm saying clubs, but there was like a queen, a five, the reverse card from Uno. <laughs> the other guy, there were two hands that you couldn't go anything. And he's the other guy clearly is trying to just screw Maddie a little more. 
Mm-hmm. He is now using this as a, he's allowed them to play, to have a one-on-one, but it's a cruel thing. It's a gaming thing to the point that I liked it when David, he was saying, are we going to play? David just turned around and said, shut up, reptile. He was I, actually concerned. It was upsetting to me that they gave Maddie or Sybil Shepard, I guess Maddie, the character, the what's happening, talking to the, like, I know that Why? they had a talk at a certain point because she was talking too much during the hand, but I feel like that was unnecessary. I don't know why Maddie was talking and asking David how it's going when part of poker is that a good card. Yeah. yeah, Part of poker is not letting the other person know what you have. And, and I feel like it was, it made Maddie look stupid. I was not happy with that either, because as you said, from my minimal experience, poker, half of it is, making sure they don't know what cards you have. And the other half is trying to figure out what they do have, what the other people have. I yeah, this, half this expected is... at a point to Maddie to say, let me see and turn over all the cards. <laughs> you know, this, this was similar to what David normally does, where David talks too much and ruins things. It was like they swapped roles. It was a lot, the first there was a lot time. of that in this episode of where it seemed like Maddie was doing what David would do and David was doing what Maddie would do. And this was just another smaller version of that, where just like David ruined the chicken licking account, yeah, she would ruin the poker hand. It was legitimately the one time David could tell someone else, please stop talking. Yeah. And and be on the right and not look like it was ironic. But he tells her, he's like, what are you going to get from winning all this? You can lose everything. You saw him. He actually got the point. Yeah. You saw him. You saw him face to face. You told him off. You will win if you walk out now. And all that is true. And that is David understanding why Maddie went there. And I'm glad they had that. Despite all her gut feelings, despite her wanting, like, because the story is like, you could win $200,000 if this works out. He's being a prick. Mm-hmm. Maddie decides to fold. She walks away. She makes her statement. Sawyer is clearly not going to lose his money or his thing, because that's not, never the point of all this. But... It, her statement and her leaving does seem to have an impact on him. And she leaves. So what immediately happens after that? Do you think they should have had that scene or not had that scene? I mean, they need it for the coda. But do you think they should have had that scene? I I, I thought they needed it. Okay. I now, do. I, I, thought it, I thought it was humorous that she couldn't let it go. It's real. This, this thing that she couldn't let go through the whole episode, she needed to know that too. And that's, right. that's fair. What we're saying is that they leave, then she runs back, looks at the card, David's card, asks her what she had. She realized David would have won. Yeah, they would have won the 200,000. David says, oops, which is the part of the scene I I guess they need for the ending. For the yeah, coda. they need it for an ending, yeah. I don't think he knew he was blowing the hand, because I don't know how much he had, because he did not have a great hand. No, he didn't. He didn't. He knew he didn't have a flush Right. Because of he knows what that bottom card is. Yeah. So he could he could bluff a fluff a flush, but right. uh, <laughs> he could blush a fluff. But, you know. <laughs> but there's no way to know what the other guy had. And so he did the thing. He's like, let's take money that we didn't have when we came here and get out of here. It was it was the right call for being conservative. It was a it was the right conservative call. Yeah. And he even says I could win. I may not win. He's yeah. not lying that he, he he's giving her all the options, but I do think it was the right call. Yeah. It hurts. To oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> I, 
I do wish you didn't say oops. But they yeah, I could have just ended with her yelling David. David and run, you know, David yeah. and runs and they freeze frame. So if you are watching, it's going to freeze. You're going to see a credit. You're going to assume it's the end. This is where we're going to give you the Marvel update that no, there is a sequence after that. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're going to go see actually almost every film nowadays, sometimes you go online and say, do I leave the credits? I never I have never left during the credits. I've always stayed for the credits, uh, even when they didn't do that, because one, who wants to, who wants to jostle everyone else? But two, it's like these people did work. I like to see. I, and sometimes nice. it's also at that point. It was also I want to know what those songs were. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. early on, you didn't have the internet. It's like, this is how I'm going to find out what those songs were. Almost you, every episode. You only had soft gum. That's <laughs> <laughs> all you had. <laughs> and uh, just disco and soft gum, people. <laughs> we thought it was a good life, but we didn't know what we had to compare it to. No idea. Just like you watch people now, like David, at their desk, and there isn't a computer. It's like, how on earth are you spending your what day? What do they do all day? <laughs> I did have jobs early on. Like, let's assume I went to college from the period of 85 to 89. I've given way too much information. Now the mob will find me. But let's say the job the summer after 85. Say it was university. not a university. I went to university. I went to uni U. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I didn't have a computer on my desk. And I will say I didn't know because I didn't. It's like I don't really have a sense of taste. And people go, well, don't you miss the taste of food? It's like, no, because I didn't have it. So I didn't have a computer at times. So I didn't know what was missing. I will say I was bored out of my mind. I did a lot of reading. <laughs> but every episode, almost every episode of Moonlighting ends back at the office. Unless there's a cream pie fight. Unless there's a cream pie fight. So be happy this ends at the office is what we're saying. And David, I'm going to get the same way you get nervous with a, with, with a casino scene. If there's like a cream pie in any Moonlighting oh. episode from now on, I'm not going to be happy. Oh, no, no. Uh, baked goods is a triggering a trigger now in, in these episodes. And it's so we find out that, again, it's them not talking to each other. But in this case, instead of like last episode, David being in the other room, he's still in Buenos Aires. Yeah, because apparently he was chasing after her and she bought one ticket back because she was livid and left him behind. And David is sending telegram after telegram which she's not reading, which no one's reading, but somehow Agnes still knows that he's asking for the $350 flight back, even though no one has actually opened up a telegram because she's burning them in front of Maddie. So I don't, but Agnes is just that good. By the way, as we mentioned, she had that jug of water at the beginning wandering around and yeah. it, we thought it was to hydrate, Yeah, you know, make sure everything is good. Uh, it is to water the plants, but not the plants, her plant. We see other plants. <laughs> But screw foliage. <laughs> screw them. Let the other people come in from their 1030 lunch break and water their own goddamn plants. That whole sequence, when she's wandering around setting up the day, which was neat to see. Actually, yeah. that it shows that she is, she's what makes the system run. Because it's not David, and Maddie has to scramble for money the entire time. Is set to the dance of the sugar plum fairy, right? Certainly is. It is not correct. And you... Listen, I revealed I went to UNEU between 85 and 89. Yeah. You experienced the Nutcracker every winter. Because let's assume you have a child of an age. I have a child of an age. Right. Who dances whatever form of dance (laughs) they use in the Nutcracker. Freeform jazz (laughs) and tap. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) My partner and I work behind the scenes. We're on the board of the dance company. Right. And and so it takes about a month 
from the end of Nutcracker for the songs to leave our heads for another year. And God, I didn't need it. I didn't need that music. I could have gone for a little more Al Jarreau, <laughs> just something else. So according to IMDb, at some point there's an El DeBarge song. There was supposed to be. But the, there wasn't. No, they didn't get the rights to it. So whatever that music was when she was getting ready to confront Ron, that was that was new for Hulu. It was it used to be an El DeBarge song. So the show itself got the rights, but Hulu couldn't get the rights. Yeah. OK, so that's what it is. So when it was that 80 sex solo LeMay sequence. Yeah, when she's getting ready, was, yeah. she's putting her LeMay armor on to fight right. the, the accountant. And this yeah. was El DeBarge, not the DeBarge family. Because remember, there was the DeBarge family, and then he went solo. I don't know that answer. He's the one who did whatever Johnny Five is Alive song or whatever it was from oh. a short circuit. But they actually, he actually had Rhythm of the Night. Kiki, was it Rhythm of the Night? Was that El DeBarge? Back from a <laughs> lunch break? Oh, I, I know we've been asking a lot of... I'll look it up. All right. So if you hear a clacking of a keyboard, it's us it's, actually uh, doing the work It was here. Rhythm of the Night. Ah, look who's older. <laughs> and so can I remember such things? But yeah, so David needs to get back from Buenos Aires. Sometimes you don't do a segue. You just go back into it. He's there with no money because yeah. I'm assuming he has to have been cut off from the ground round fortune because ground round fortune could do the 350 that Agnes somehow knows he needs, even though she's not reading the telegrams because they're burning. I'm thinking, I'm thinking to add to our mythology. Okay. That. By which you mean the truth. Yeah. So this ground round situation, it feels very Billy Madison to me. He has to earn his way back in. Yeah. So he's out on his own proving to his dad, the head of ground round, that he can do it. He's been loafing around on his father's dime for a long time. And instead of having to go back to school and complete each grade, he has to go out into the world and show that he can survive for a while. The I have not seen a lot of uh, Adam Sandler, although I have mm-hmm. seen Wedding Singer, and I think I saw Waterboy. Okay. Um, and then the oh my God, the Anderson film. What's the one? What's the the series of Punch Drunk Love? Quite good at, but I like Punch Drunk Love. Yeah. So here's the thing, though. This is also what happens with trust fund kids because both Addison men are not capable human beings. Yeah. And they they were living large on the ground round money. And yet they can't really get their shit together by any stretch of the imagination. Here's the thing. You know, there are people who go, well, you know, if you put people on welfare, then they will use them. Then they'll depend on welfare. They will use the money. If you put people on trust funds, they're not going to come out great. No. More so. That is our political stance. It's year 2024, apparently. We're not even going to we're not even going to go into that. Assume what year. The pandemic is coming. Because we, we saw went a Broadway to the musical. Broadway show. Yeah. You know, if we had seen a Broadway show that wasn't a musical, maybe there was a better chance for the rest of the world. But we screwed you people. Oh, no, I got to see a musical. I don't want to see a play. <laughs> you know what? I, I've seen plays, but musicals are more fun. Let's yeah, yeah, I need it's, fun. It's a, yeah. You want to come out humming something. Yeah. But he if needs the, 350. If Jessica Chastain is in it, it's not going to work out for me. I love her. She's great. great. actress. Great she actor. is, but great like, but. that play is not going to be a fun one. <laughs> there is more the serious I, aspect yeah, of it. Yeah. I'm sure she's great in it. I'm sure the play is great. It is not for me. She is currently on Broadway in a play, right? Or about to be? Yeah. Is she with the woman from Roseanne, too? Because then it's it's a real it's, one. 
then then is a top notch <laughs> production with a top notch cast that is yeah. going to depress the hell. Oh god. So oh sad. god. <laughs> and you know we 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 go through enough emotional roller coastering with what's her name because she deserves she deserves to be more than the woman from Roseanne. La- Laurie Laura Metcalf. Metcalf Metcalf yeah yeah, yeah. no she deserves it yeah she was as I said I loved the series Roseanne Roseanne herself I'm going to divorce from the whole aspect of this as they did with the Connors it's it's I've like last night episode. at Gutenberg at the end of Gutenberg a famous person comes out to be the Broadway producer that gives them their contract so that they could be on Broadway. Every night it's somebody else. Last night we got uh, Gail King, who I believe is on a morning show on CBS. Uh, CBS this morning. So I, unfortunately, just like I said, Roseanne's person for Laurie Metcalf, I still just call her Oprah's friend. Even though she has long established her <laughs> that own she career. is her own person for a long time. Long time, decades. A long, long time. Yeah. yeah. But in my head, she is still Oprah's friend, which isn't fair. No. At I, this I, point, go ahead. Oh, are we no, still? Go ahead, please. Oh, I was moving on to the next episode. I was no, no, done. go ahead. Because I was. <laughs> no, what are we too. done? I, I was too. Yeah, we're good. All right. So the next episode is called The Dream Sequence Always Rings Twice. And based on the description, it looks like yet again. There is no client. <laughs> there is no, no case. Because they're dreaming of an old case. Yeah, it's a, they're they're solving like a cold case from 40 yeah. years ago that happens at this club that they're at. Which is either introduced and narrated by Orson Welles. And I remember this episode. I don't remember what happens it, but I remember that Orson Welles was in it and there was a black and white episode. So, as we mentioned somewhat infrequently, which uh, item would you put into a... Uh, now I forget, was it a television museum or was it a uh, Hollywood? Planet Hollywood. Planet Hollywood. See, it's been a little while. Come on. We actually discussed this before because we do talk before people and we kind of agreed it would be. Agnes's keychain thing that she wears around her neck. It's like a shoelace basically yeah. tied with uh, a janitor's amount of keys on it and then a little keychain of a sneaker. Now, does she also have the time? Because at one point I thought she looked at all that for the time when she was telling David it was 7.30 or it was 7.31. It's possible. I think, yeah. I think she's got everything in there. Yeah. I mean, it was 1985, so she doesn't have a Tamagotchi yet, but something. It's, she's, she says whatever the equivalent would have been. But An actual um, pet? <laughs> Probably an actual pet. This That's little parakeet just on its own little perch. Just a little parakeet on a perch just happily swinging back and forth. So she shoves it back into her clothes. Yeah, I think that I think that would be it because, you know, it's Agnes. And Agnes, again, plays the role of worry that mom and dad are arguing. Yeah. And she's even trying to convince Maddie with the weirdest parallels at the end, which seem that she's been listening to David too long. You can forgive David. America forgave Japan, which... <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe maybe it is because this is so close to the release of Oppenheimer. But uh, and the other one was the British forgave the colonies. They were too curious. Parallels. Yeah. As two guys from Wales, I don't I don't forgive the colonies. <laughs> I am on the fence. And it may be the fact that having gone see you gone to see two Broadway musicals in New York City, we're just going to flat out say that. Okay. Has apparently been enough for me to lose my Welsh accent. I mean, yours is still. I mean, strong. you immersed yourself in the culture in that yeah, short yeah, no, time you, you were there. You go all in. You don't. You don't want to call yourself out, especially since 
It is very easy to find out who the Welsh mobsters are on the run. <laughs> it's a small amount in a small country. And are we Welsh or are we hiding in Wales? And by the way, how stupid are we if the whole point of that we're saying that we're running from the mob, that we just basically told people we're from Wales. But since we don't have the accent, maybe we're not. Who knows where we are? Where in the world is Meg Plant the eggplant? Uh, gotta find her. Please come back. You gotta be back by Thursday. I want to it's say thank you there. to Zinis. As always. <laughs> for sponsoring the show. We we look forward to eating there in 2025. You've got a reservation, and I I'm just bringing it's, an it's, extra chair. It's actually in April, not June. I said June on the last podcast. Our reservation's Ooh. in April, so sooner. Ooh, salivating even more. Yeah. And I'm just going to show up with a chair. Yeah. I'm sure, like, there's sometimes a charge for using a credit card at yeah. some restaurants now. I'm sure I will get charged for bringing my own chair. A, a large party fee for getting to a third, <laughs> exactly. the third person at the table. <laughs> Not only would it be the large party fee, they're already going to add the gratuity. Because oh, you it's, have to. It's There's more than one. At, at Zini's, it's, if it's more than one person, the gratuity is added. So check yeah. your bill. We love Zini's, but check your bill. Yeah, three three people at a bistro table is enough. That's a lot. That, it's a, you, you are balancing plates on your knees yeah. to get it through, especially if you're ordering the, the rather large family-style eggplant. Oh, it's going to be so good. I can't wait to eat it. I'm curious to go into Z's and find out if they actually give you menus or it's just the QR code with our phone like every other place now. Now, you said that lunch starts at 4. <laughs> I didn't say it. They did it. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. curious I'm, time I'm sorry. to start lunch. You read the copy that said that lunch starts at 4. We, we read what they tell us. I... With my acid reflux, I can't have red sauce like after a certain time. So can we order ahead to have the food ready at four o'clock? <laughs> Moonlighting. <laughs> Tune in next week. Uh, Orson Welles is going to say stuff. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. He'll probably promote a wine. Maybe he'll promote his version of Macbeth, which is a pretty good movie. He had to make it on the fly over the course of several years. One punch Macbeth is thrown one year. Macbeth was the name of his sled. <laughs> It was good. What I love is how straightforward that delivery was. <laughs> and now for the purposes of this podcast, <laughs> Macbeth is the name of the sled in Citizen Kane. Just like the phrase, screw the boat, which we have not used since then, is oh, a valid true. phrase. And just like there was a movie that, even though it still involves Zoltar, was called Large. <laughs> All brought to you by the fortune of Ground Round, those aspects. But the podcast itself, clearly Zinis. Yeah. And now stay tuned for your local news. Tonight on Eyewitness News, the rapture is coming. You may not think you need a go bag, but I'm here to.